Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 31 More questions from you. More answers from me on this episode of Lockdown Pelicans. I'm Brett Dawson. Langston Galloway, the Baton Rouge native who's coming sort of home to play for the Pelicans, talking about that opportunity this morning on a conference call. I'm Brett Dawson. I cover the Pelicans for the New Orleans Advocate, and this is Locked On Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And we're not really going to focus a lot today on Langston Galloway or the other free agents necessarily. Um, You have some questions. I'm going to answer those. That's going to be kind of the format of the podcast today, as it turns out, because I asked for some questions, and it turned out that you had quite a few, so uh, we'll do that. But the, uh, the new Pelicans, the free agent acquisitions, are doing teleconferences all this week. Uh, Solomon Hill, Etwan Moore, and Terrence Jones also will have their day to do that and kind of talk to the local media about their decisions, their choice to come play in New Orleans. And we'll try to play little snippets here and there and give you a sense of what those guys have to say. But I felt like we've kind of uh, dealt with those guys quite a bit here. And while we may talk about them in some other context this week with some guests or in your questions, that's not really going to be kind of the focus. So what we are going to do today is answer some questions from you. You had quite a few of them, and I'll, uh, I'll get to those. This is our last week of the daily schedule for the summer, so um, we'll do a podcast every day this week, uh, and then we'll start going to once or maybe twice weekly, um, kind of depending on what happens. There'll be at least a podcast every week uh, for the offseason. If news breaks, if, for example, the All-Star Game officially lands in New Orleans, you can expect a, a podcast about things of that nature. But for the most part, we're looking at one a week um, for the – duration of August and for part of September. And then as we get closer to camp, um, you know, we'll, we'll get back into the daily schedule. And I'll remind you of this as we go along. But just so you know, we're kind of embarking on the last week of this uh, daily schedule for now. Speaking of embarking, there's a new podcast I need to tell you about that you might know a little bit about. But if you listen to this podcast and you like the Pelicans, there's a good chance that you're a New Orleans sports fan. And if you are, there's a good chance that you like the Saints. And if you like the Saints, you've probably listened to Nick Underhill and Adam West's podcast, the Underhill and West podcast. That is migrating to the Locked On Podcast Network. It's going to become Locked On Saints. It became Locked On Saints. Uh, it has launched as of this week. So definitely want you to check that out. Joel Erickson, who, like Nick, uh, covers the Saints for The Advocate, will also be involved in that podcast. It's going to be a great place to get daily updates and opinions on the Saints. So definitely check that out, Locked On Saints. You can search on iTunes or Stitcher, and I would suggest that you do the same for this podcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. Go to iTunes. Leave us a rating. I love five-star ratings. Leave us a review. I love nice reviews. Uh, Those things help us get our name out there a little bit more, move up some lists, get a few more listeners. So if you would do that for me, I greatly appreciate it. Hey, besides podcasting, do you know what Nick and Joel and I have in common? 
That's right, theadvocate.com. That's where you want to go for all my Pelicans coverage and all the coverage from Scott Kushner and Rod Walker, but also for great Saints coverage. The Greenbrier is here. Those guys are headed up to training camp soon. Um, you're going to want daily updates at theadvocate.com. You're going to get a ton of great information, news, and features. Check out all that Saints coverage. Before you know it, LSU will be opening camp too, and Ross Dellinger will be on hand to give you all kinds of updates there. So if you're a New Orleans sports fan, if you're a Baton Rouge sports fan, you like the Pelicans, you like the Saints, you like LSU, you got to check out theadvocate.com. That's the place to get all that information. And speaking of information, let's see if I can provide some. You've got some questions. I may have some answers, so let's dive into these. A reminder that anytime you have questions for the podcast, you can send them to me at BDawsonWrites on Twitter. You can also email me at LockedOnPelicans at gmail.com. The Platinum Pelican gets us underway today. He's at the Platinum Pel. He had three questions. Um, One of them was kind of a general question about the offseason that I feel like it's really all we've talked about is evaluating the offseason on a whole. So we're not going to get into those. But he had two other questions. I am going to get to those. Um, first, he wanted to know, is Alexis Agenza going to see any rotation minutes in the beginning of the season? And I, I think that's a good question. We haven't spent a lot of time talking about Agenza. And I do think there's a chance that he's sort of the odd man out if you look at the way it looks like the Pelicans are headed, which is to go a little bit smaller more often. Um, we've talked on the podcast before about Alvin Gentry saying in interviews that he thinks Anthony Davis is going to be a little stronger, a little more ready to play more center if they need that. Um, if you look at some pictures of Davis, I don't know how much of this is just a byproduct of him going through rehab as opposed to doing his sort of regular conditioning, but he does look bigger physically. His upper body looks bigger. Um, you know, it seems like, you know, that that's the direction that they're headed a little bit. We've talked about the fact that Solomon Hill can be kind of a small ball power forward. They obviously went out and got Terrence Jones, who is a power forward. And so anytime you're going to play uh, him together with Anthony Davis, Davis is going to be at center. And Omer Ashik is going to be the guy, I think, who starts games and who is the sort of um, option for defending guys like DeMarcus Cousins or maybe even a Carl Anthony Towns, although that, that did not go well last year. But, um, you know, the, the bigger, more physical guys that you kind of want to keep Anthony Davis away from. So where does that leave Agenza? I think that's a legitimate question. He played great at the end of the year. We keep saying that about so many guys. There were just so many opportunities uh, at the end of last year. And Agenza definitely took advantage of his, but I think you take anything that doesn't include Anthony Davis with a grain of salt. So um, how do we evaluate the way he played at the end of last year? How much meaning does it have for this year? Not a whole lot. And I do think it could be difficult for him to find a lot of minutes if they are looking to play a little bit more small, increase Anthony Davis's minutes at center, um, and, and, and throw out some more small ball power forward lineups. So the question is, you know, how, how do you squeeze Agenza in there? And I think it's going to be worth following. I mean, I, I do think he's a guy who his contract isn't great, but it's not terrible. He has some trade value if that was something that the Pelicans decided to do. But really, Omer Ashik is the one true center on the roster. He's really your backup center. I mean, Anthony Davis, in, in many ways, as we've talked about, is your backup center. But Agenza is the one guy, and Ashik you know, was not healthy last year, and I don't think you can count on a, a 100% healthy year, obviously. Um, so he has value as a backup center, but I, I think, you know, he went through some stretches last year where he didn't play a lot. I would be surprised. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case at the beginning of the season as well. It's so hard for me to get a, a real sense, and I understand you guys want to ask rotation questions, but there's so much we haven't seen about this team. You know, Terrence Jones was so unhealthy and and didn't play well when he was last year. So what he did in Houston is such a weird kind of 
you know, a barometer to use for how he might play this year. There's just a ton of question marks about this team. And so really a lot of these projection things are very, very hard to do at this point. There's just no logical way um, to kind of reason through them. But I I would say right now, you know, my guess is that it's just going to be hard for Jensen to get on the court early. But again, we'll see what those rotations look like because I don't have a great sense of it yet. Anyway, the Platinum Pelicans second question was, there's a lot of talk about Etwan Moore seeing time at the three, and is this actually effective and or sustainable? And frankly, I don't know where that talk is coming from because uh, it hasn't been on this podcast, and it hasn't been from very many people that I've talked to about the Pelicans. Um, if you look at Etwan Moore, you, you guys know that I love uh, Nylon Calculus and their playing time estimates. If you look at Etwan Moore last year in Chicago, he played less than 1% of his minutes um, at small forward. It's just not a position he plays. He plays some some point guard. Uh, he plays shooting guard. It's, he's never done that a whole lot. He certainly didn't do it last year. Um, are, are there some opportunities that you could see three-guard lineups? Uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely could see that. They loaded up on backcourt guys in the offseason, and, and um, it's going to be a different-looking backcourt to be sure. So um, I, I think the question has to be, uh, if you do that with guys, if you're playing three guards, who are the guys who can really defend small forwards effectively? Uh, I don't think we have a body of work on Etwan Moore that suggests that at this point. Um, you know, if you have Solomon Hill at the three, that's a guy who really split his time between small forward and shooting guard last year. I think power forward is going to be something the Pelicans do with him some moving forward. Um, but he's a guy who who has played shooting guard. Uh, so, you know, if you want to talk about him as a wing guard in a way, he can guard threes. Um, but in terms of throwing out a lot of lineups that have, say, um, Drew Holiday, Buddy Heald, and a third guard, um, you know, a guy like Etwan Moore or Langston Galloway, and if you're going to call one of those guys a three, you know, it really comes down to which of those guys can defend threes. Uh, Moore is a, a pretty physical guy. He can guard guys who are a little outside of his height range. Um, but in terms of guarding a, a like a slashing, scoring three type guy, um, like a high volume scorer and shooter, uh, I, I'm not sure that's really in his wheelhouse. It, it, probably more uh, an assignment for a guy like Alonzo G or even Dante Cunningham, who I think is kind of an undersized power forward who can play some small forward. Um, so we may see some of those three-guard lineups, but in terms of saying, you know, Etwan Moore is going to see significant time as a three, no, I, I don't see that at this point. My man Ali Cosell, who's at Red Hopeful on Twitter, asks, any word yet whether a number of Pelicans plan on getting together in August like they did last year? Uh, I haven't heard anything um, in that regard, and that's not unusual because I don't think we really heard about that before the fact last year. It was one of those things that, that as it happened and after it happened, there was a lot of talk about it, but nothing uh, in advance. And, and we're at a, a position right now where we really don't talk to a lot of players. Um, they're kind of off doing their own thing, and, and uh, we're here in New Orleans. So I haven't heard a whole lot about that. Um, I, I wonder this year, I think there would be great value in it because there are so many new faces, and I think having everybody together on the court at one point Uh, early would be of some use. Uh, But I also wonder just how much the fact that Anthony Davis, who was really key in having that happen last year, uh, is doing rehab. I wonder how much that would impact it. The fact that he'll just be getting back into basketball activity at that point in August. Um, You've obviously got some guys like Tyreek Evans isn't going to be ready. We don't kind of know where where Quincy Pondexter is at this point uh, in his rehab and in terms of of being ready for the start of the, of the, of camp. Uh, And so certainly we don't have a sense of where he'll be uh, this upcoming month. So I, I think at this point, uh, there would be some value in it, and I could also see some reasons why you wouldn't necessarily uh, be as gung-ho about doing it this year as last year, given Anthony Davis's situation. We Not Fit, who's at Jetri Nola, says, uh, 
What should Pels fans expect from Buddy this year? What's his ceiling slash floor for just his rookie year? And I, I do think this is another thing that we've talked about some, but I'll, I'll kind of go over it quickly. Um, I think there's a real risk in expecting too much of Buddy Heald, and I said so even before he had the kind of off-shooting performance in summer league. I don't put a whole lot of stock into the way he shot the ball. I do put a lot of stock into the fact that he's a rookie, and rookies have their struggles, and he's got to learn a whole new way of playing. Not an entirely new way of playing, but he's got to learn a lot about using screens, about uh, the, the way the NBA is paced and spaced, and especially in this offense. He's got to learn to play off of Anthony Davis and and involve Anthony Davis and not look for his shot all the time and figure out ways to, as we've talked about on this podcast, move the ball, get it back um, in the flow of the offense, uh, and not just kind of look to get himself going. So there's a lot of adjustment. The other thing is that there's a a huge, huge defensive adjustment for a guy who was an okay defensive player in college, um, not a particularly good defensive player his senior year in college, and a guy who showed... Some good things and definitely some areas he needs to improve in summer league. So defensively, he's got a lot of improving to do. Offensively, he's got a whole lot to learn. Um, I think he'll shoot the ball well. I think he'll shoot it better than he did in summer league. Probably not as well as he'll shoot it down the road because there is just there's also that adjustment to the longer three point line and there's the the sort of grind of playing a whole season. All these things make it difficult to just put a whole lot of stock into a rookie and put a whole lot of expectation on him. Is he? I think there's a chance he's the Pelicans' third best scorer by the end of the year. Whether he'll be their third leading scorer, I don't know. They could use him to score some points. I think he'll average double figures. But I think if you're expecting him to come in and, and average 15 points and shoot 40% from the three-point line, you know that's too much. You, you got to temper your expectations. I think he has a good chance to start. I think he's going to be a rotation player regardless. And I think he'll have his moments. He'll have some really big scoring nights. And he's also going to have some nights where he really, really struggles. So, um, you know, in terms of comparisons, I, I don't I don't have one in terms of saying like, oh, you know, his ceiling is this player and his floor is this player. Um, he's a rookie and it's just, again, you know, I like samples. I like to see some things happen before I try to project too much. Um, and so, you know, we'll, we'll kind of just see what happens with Buddy. But I would say temper your expectations. Don't expect a huge scoring year. Don't expect him to make a seamless transition from Oklahoma to New Orleans. I think uh, it's going to take him a little bit of time. One of my favorite question askers, Duty, a.k.a. Junior, who's at JR underscore Trap Gang Kev. I love that because it's so hard for me to say. It takes me forever to get it out when he asks a question, which he has done for both of our uh, question-asking sessions. Um, He says, do you hear in NBA circles that Drew Holiday is willing to re-sign long-term if he raises his value this year? Um, And that, again, is one of those things that's premature. I mean, I think um, there's so much uncertainty about Drew Holiday in terms of, you know, whether he can put together a whole season, a healthy season, um, do it without minutes restrictions, put up numbers. Um, You know, here's what we know. The Pelicans seem very committed to to Drew Holiday long-term. I think they want him to be uh, part of this franchise. And I think it's worth paying very close attention. Obviously, you would pay very close attention, but but I think it's worth paying close attention to what happens with him because I think what he does is going to say something about the future of the franchise. If he doesn't re-sign, if the Pelicans are really committed to bringing him back and he goes elsewhere, that's not a great look for sort of the foundation and the, and the, the cornerstones of the franchise. If, if, a, if a guy, if you're trying to build and one of the guys who you view as a really key piece uh, goes elsewhere, even when you could pay him more, um, probably not sending a great signal to the rest of the league um, and probably not sending a great signal to Anthony Davis about the way people view the franchise. So I think it's very important 
Um, they, they have a big decision to make in terms of what they're, if they're going to offer him a max and, and his health will obviously have a lot to say about that. Um, and then he has a big decision to make as well, because if he has a good year, if he plays the way he, he seemed capable of playing last year, um, in, in the minutes that he had, he looked awfully great sometimes. And he went through a prolonged three-point shooting slump. But he's a really good two-way player. I think in a league where point guard is such a strong position, he's not maybe one of the top ten point guards. But I do think he's a guy who's a little undervalued because of the way he can play at both ends. The fact that he can take on a variety of defensive assignments. Um, you know, is he willing to sign long-term? We'll find out. I mean, I, I just think – I don't think there is a lot of buzz about that. I think the thing about – about Drew Holiday is let's see where he is. Let's see what he looks like when he doesn't have a minutes restriction. Let's find out what kind of player he is. And, and from there, we'll have a much greater sense of his free agency. A.A. Ron Balakay, who's at Chris underscore was here, asks, uh, how many wins do you think they get this year? And do you think they make the playoffs? And that is something that we have discussed here as well. Um, you know, I, I think 40 is a great number to kind of shoot for because it's a 10-game improvement for a team that – really has not gone out and added big-time, big-name, you know, scoring pieces. Um, Lost a lot of offense. It's replaced it with defense and with players who I think the hope is will be better fits in the system, Uh, guys who might be able to engage Anthony Davis a little bit more, get Davis back into form a little bit. Um, You know, I I think they've they've built a nice – team around Anthony Davis right now. I don't know that it's a team that gets you into the playoffs. I don't think 40 wins necessarily is going to do it this year. Um, Not in the West, even though the West was down last year. I think it will be tough to get there um, at that number. Now, could they do better than that? Sure. Could they get to 45? It's This team is such a mystery again. And I, I keep saying that, and I know people want to pin you down on predictions, but it's silly at this point to try. For me to sit here and say, I know what they're going to do, or I have a great sense of how many wins they're going to get. It's ridiculous. Um, there's just no way of knowing until we see how these pieces fit together. It's such a different team. Um, you know, and our think about our predictions last year and how off everybody was in terms of how many games they would win. We couldn't have predicted the injuries. And you, you have to make some predictions without knowing what some of those variables are going to be. But this is a team that has so many variables that until you at least get a look at them in training camp and some preseason games, it's really hard to get a great feel for that stuff. So, you know, I think 40 is a great target number. Because a 10-win improvement is really hard to do in the NBA, uh, and you'd be doing it with a, a really, really different team. Um, but I don't think 40 would get you into the playoffs. Uh, and I'm not saying like it's a 40-win season and they're not getting in. That's not like I'm not I'm not making that prediction uh, just yet. I, I, I get until October to make a prediction on how this uh, this team will fare. I have to do that at some point. I have to rank all 30 teams, and I'll have to put them in there somewhere. But I don't have to do that yet. And I think we do want to get at least a little bit of a look at this team before we start to think too much about you know what what the season is going to hold for. Them. The last question of the day goes to Emmett, who's at Emmett504, uh, a loyal follower. Thank him for his question. Uh, he wants to know what's the best meal I've had since I came to NOLA and the best music that I've seen. Um, and I'm going to go a little controversial on this meal thing. I like this question, by the way. Um, my favorite place to eat in New Orleans is Giacomo's. I said it. Um, there are going to be some people who complain about that. There are some people groaning right now because if you tell people that your favorite restaurant is Giacomo's, there are going to be people who tell you, uh, you need to get out more. That's like a thing that I get when I tell people that. Um, and then there are also going to be people who tell you like, don't listen to the snobs who, who bash Giacomo's. It's great. Uh, and it is great. I really like it. It's a great place. It's been a, a sort of safe place. I know it's good. So I take out of towners there. Uh, and the people I've taken there also love it. Um, 
But the single best meal I've had, as as much as I love Giacomo's, is uh, the the best meal I had was Thanksgiving. Uh, I guess lunch. It was late lunch at Broussard's. Uh, that was really fantastic. My parents were in town for Thanksgiving. Uh, we went there in the French Quarter. The food was so good, and I liked that it. it wasn't just like some big Thanksgiving buffet. It was like a meal that they brought you on a plate, and it was really really good. Um, hard to talk about food in New Orleans because. Anytime you talk, you could list 15 places and you'd leave off 15 great ones. Um, and that's that's from somebody who hasn't lived here that long. If you've lived here a long time, you could probably list 100 great ones and leave off 100 great ones. There's just so many good restaurants here. Um, you know, the, the Pelicans, it's the running joke with the Pelicans that, you know, they, they always talk about the restaurants as like an appealing part of this place. But it really is. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great food town. Just I can't imagine that there's one better in the United States. So, um, but yeah. Controversial hot take. Giacomo's. Love it. Um, as far as the live music thing, that's a much easier answer, and it won't be controversial at all for people who have seen the Soul Rebels, because that was the best experience I've had musically here. And it wasn't just seeing the Soul Rebels. Uh, it was seeing them on the night that Prince died. Um, it was a tribute show that they did kind of last minute. They had a, a show scheduled anyway for um, Le Bon Tom Roulet, and the show was it became kind of their show mixed with a Prince tribute. They did some Prince songs. They would play um, Prince songs themselves and sing. And then when they were taking breaks in intermissions, um, they would play Prince songs over the speakers. It was packed. It was about a billion degrees in that place that night. A huge crowd. Um, Prince is the, the probably more than anybody else, the musician that opened up music to me. Just, uh, you know, the first time I ever heard Prince, I was just hooked and um, sort of a, a thing that, that opened up my eyes, my ears, to a bunch of different music. I saw Prince live four times. I have a bunch of bootlegs, just my favorite artist of all time. And so um, that night was really special to just be out among people who, you know, to varying degrees, I'm sure felt the same way. I don't know if it was everybody's favorite artist, but um, you know, obviously a bunch of people who love Prince and wanted to see uh, Prince music performed on that night. So that was just a cool experience. It was, it felt very new Orleans. It was one of my, my real, um, you know, genuine New Orleans feeling experiences in the first year. So that's something I'll just always remember. That's one that I'm going to take with me wherever I go. Uh, I'll always have that New Orleans experience. And that, that by far is my best live music experience to this point. Uh, that one will be hard to top, but I hope I get some opportunities to see uh, other great stuff. <clears throat> and that is the end of the questions, or at least that's the end of the questions that I had gotten by the time I went into the bunker to record the podcast. So if you ask one after the fact, uh, sorry, I missed it. Um, we will do this again, uh, definitely as I get into the, the more summertime schedule and I'm not doing a podcast every day. Uh, we'll try to do one of these um, periodically every couple of weeks or so just to take questions and answer them. Maybe even later this week, although I'm, I'm hoping to have guests lined up for the rest of the week if uh, if I'm lucky. So um, I, I hope you guys enjoy doing this. I do enjoy doing it as much as I hate trying to predict the future, as you can tell. Uh, I like doing that. So uh, we will continue to keep this as part of the uh regular rotation for the podcast uh we'll have shows every day this week as i said the uh the other pelicans free agent signees will have teleconferences um i don't think we'll focus a lot on those topics but uh, may play some snippets here and there to let you hear what those guys had to say hoping to have guests most of the week and um have uh, still some things to talk about to kind of put a bow on the off season and we may dig a little deeper into some other topics with uh, with guests as well so um there's plenty left to talk about this week i will be here to talk about it i hope you will be too Now.
It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17